0: Hello and welcome to Here Now, a Whitechapel Gallery podcast that delves into the stories behind the exhibitions on view at the gallery here in the heart of East London. Each episode invites a curator to be in conversation with artists, collaborators and other thinkers about the works and themes explored in the displays, giving you special access to the ideas that shape the artworks. My name is Jane Scar, Curator of Public Programs, introducing you to today's episode featuring Whitechapel Gallery curators Naya Yakamaki and Sophia Victorino and Jenny Lomax, former Director of Camden Art Centre and Whitechapel Gallery's Education Organiser from 1979 to 1989, who was responsible for a pioneering programme in the history of gallery education practices. Here they speak about a new exhibition entitled Exercising Freedom, Encounters with Art, Artists and Communities, which highlights the role of artists in developing innovative approaches that emphasise process and artwork in equal terms, drawing on collaborative learning with communities. We also hear from artists featured in the exhibition about their experience of working as part of the gallery's education programme in the 1980s. The exhibition is free to view in Gallery 4 and is on display from the 7th of October 2020 to the 21st of March 2021.
1: Hello, I'm Naya. The exhibition Exercising Freedom, Encounters with Art, Artists and Communities is part of the Archive Gallery programme which started in 2009 when we expanded the gallery's building and we were able to introduce new curatorial strand. This programme is research-led and explores archives as an alternative curatorial resource and brings to light histories which have not registered in the formal art history. Hello, I'm Sophia. This exhibition, as
2: Naya mentioned, presents rarely seen records from the Gallery's archives which have not been widely researched to date. The theme of education has really always been at the heart of what we do at Whitechapel Gallery and it has also been a key factor in its relation to artists and to our local communities. This is what led us to investigate and bring together a history that has not yet been told in such depth. We are very happy to have Jenny Lomax here with us today. Jenny Lomax for over a decade has invited young artists who often lived and worked in the area to act as the creative mediators between the exhibitions, the gallery space
1: and the East End communities. Jenny, how did your collaboration with Whitechapel Gallery start? As the community education organizer for 10 years between 1979 and 1989, you were working with a lot of organizations across Tower Hamlets, with Tower Hamlets Council, the arts team as well as with Tonby Hall. Can you tell us a little bit about that period? I think
3: it'd be useful just to start off at saying a little bit about the area at that time because I think many people coming to the Whitechapel now um, perhaps don't realise what a very different place it is now to what it was in the 70s. It was an area of um, immense deprivation. People were very poor... um, I mean, across the country, there was a lot of unemployment, mass employment, but it had particularly hit East London because of the demise of the docks, which also meant that industries had moved away um, and also severe bombing during the Second World War had started a housing programme that, in fact, never because of the um, financial climate of the time and, um, you, you know, the the economy was uh, in a very poor state through the late 60s and the 70s, that those ideas for rebuilding the East End never really materialised. And because of all this change and um, also new immigrant communities moving in, so, uh, people from uh, Somalia, and then more particularly um, Bangladeshi people who were um, moving here because of the wars and conflicts um, in India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. And so those communities were setting up in what had been traditionally a Jewish area and, and with their industries and culture and so on that really so that they, they became to be a very layered um cultural setting that also added to that because of all the empty houses and warehouses organizations like acme and space um, began to uh, encourage artists to move to the area and there, there was at one point, I think, where the huge population of artists living in um, houses that were deemed for demolition in future years but also taking over workshops, most of which are still here, uh, like Chisholm Hale. And there was this wonderful... It created a very sort of... I don't know, exciting, a rather potent mix of people. There's artists, the um, people coming with rich new cultures to add to layer on what was already existing. And then the uh, people who had been long established and living in East London and, you know, all their lives and their families all their lives, so it's a very rich mix. And I started to work in the area as someone who'd graduated from art school and was interested through work having worked with adventure playgrounds in hackney marshes and um, so on became interested in the role of art in a place like Tower Hamlets and started to work on a Goldbenkin initiated and funded project at Towingby Hall, which was an experimental after-school workshop for local children. And because we're right next door, we were right next door to the Whitechapel, Deborah Gardner and I, we used to bring the children here to see. And on a Saturday, we would come to something like a Robert Ryman exhibition and work with the children on things to do with... Whiteness and shadows. And Nick Sorota, who had been at the Whitechapel then for a couple of years, part of his vision for the Whitechapel was to reunite it with its community, really, and, and the place that it was in. And Nick used to let me use his office on a Saturday. So after we'd looked at an exhibition, we would go up there and do you know, things like rollering white paints and layering things. And the children just realised how much these children just really got from looking at contemporary art.
0: Here, the painter Maria Chevska, who was involved in the education programme in the 1980s, talks about the uniquely artist-led approach which was distinctive to Whitechapel Gallery at the time.
4: The great thing about all this whole education programme run by Jenny at the Whitechapel, was they decided that it would be artists who were doing this. So it would be artists talking about the exhibitions in the gallery, doing workshops and doing the school's residences, for example. So um, it was a very unacademic approach. And I think the, the advantage was that artists would connect with the work itself, the artwork. So anybody can relate to that. You know, they have a, a sort of uh, implicit understanding about, for example, how something is made, what it's made of, and why it's made that way rather than any other way. And I think from their own experiences, they they identify both as maker and viewer so they could speak from those two viewpoints or they could empathize with those viewpoints. And I think it's, that really, It was that absolute decision that it would be artists who were introducing and interpreting and talking about this work and concentrating really on the artwork itself, rather than an academic approach or necessarily an art historical approach.
2: Jenny, there are two exhibitions that we know have been incredibly important in shaping the development of the education programme and the way you, you've envisaged the collaboration and the work developed with schools and with communities. Can you talk about those two exhibitions, which were
3: Eva Hesse and Arts of Bengal in 1979? Yes, there were two very contrasting and very different exhibitions, so therefore were were really good opportunities to see what schools might respond to and react to but Eva Hesse came first and it was my association with Pat Van Pelt who had been working with the Arts Council particularly at the Hayward Gallery because the Arts Council Art Department was kind of based at the Hayward Gallery then and ran the Hayward Gallery. We knew that from talking with Nick that there was going to be an Eva Hesse exhibition and she was something of a hero of mine and Pat really loved the work as well. And so we thought about perhaps trying to bring some of our thoughts about education in galleries to the Whitechapel using the our love of Eva Hesse's work to really think some of those through. So we we made a proposal to Nick and Martin and um, I think Mark Francis. And at first they were a little bit um, thinking that the exhibition of that Tomkins upstairs was more suitable. For children because it was quite childlike. But we were really adamant that it was Eva Hesse's concepts, and the work was much more meaningful um, to children and to schools. And the fact of you know the relationship with things to mathematics, to repetition, to an emotional um, relationship with imagery and pattern, um, but also the physical. Physicality of Eva Hess's work um, was something that if one was taking an approach of not telling people about art but engaging them in a dialogue with that work through their own experiences, through their own bodily movements and gestures, and through their own um, emotional response to the work, that Eva Hess was just the perfect exhibition to be. Um, working with to take that approach. Arts of Bengal followed more or less afterwards, I think. And it was such a contrasting show because it was a museum show. It came from the V&A. And the teachers who had been to Ivers all said, oh, but this will be a wonderful exhibition, you know, for local children, um, and really wanted to come to it. So. We managed to find money from Tower Hamlets and I devised a programme around all the wonderful artefacts. And it was a fascinating experience and perhaps while it wasn't the most innovative education programme, it was done on a shoestring and it was really just me, I was able to bring in um, a textile artist, Cathy Merris-Smith, who to work with a local youth project led by... Um, an ILEA youth worker who had a background in textiles, Shireen Akbar, and um, also Henna ameed And the project they did together as part of Arts of Bengal, which resulted in a huge wall hanging that is now at the v I think, um, really um, forged a lasting relationship with the wide, you know, organisations in the wider Bengali communities and community school and so on.
0: Artist Janice Jeffries recalls the legacies of the education programme connected to the Arts of Bengal exhibition, which through developing specific longer-term engagements with the community led to the later exhibition, Woven Air, in 1988.
5: After the Arts of Bengal, um, the wonderful Shireen, Akbar, who had been involved in a number of different community arts exhibitions, really uh, responded uh, to the fact that what was the legacy, and I think this is a big question even now, is that you do something, it has an impact, it is significant in terms of locality and demographics, and what it is for young people to see their experiences reflected in those activities, but what's the legacy, you see? What's the ongoing impact? And Shireen Akbar um, introduced, initiated the field of the embroidered quilt, which was really um, a taped slide that we did, but the exhibition was called Woven Air, The Muslim and Cancer Tradition of Bangladesh, and that was from March to May 1988, And one of the criticisms really of the arts of Bengal, it was all very celebratory and very nice and probably a little romantic. But as you know, the East End was the heart of a very particular set of textile practices and industries, mostly going back to the Huguenots in the 17th century uh, when the silk weavers in France were expelled for for religious reasons as many as much as political agitation, same was true of many Jewish uh, communities who came from Eastern Europe with their different textile practices so the point was, can you address these histories of textile industries and practices from both within the locality as in the Bangladeshi community, which was a lot of sweatshop labour at that point in terms of home working. Uh, Swasti Mitter's book on textiles and home working is very significant in that regard. And so Shireen had picked up on this, saying, well, what can we do about the the work that is both from Bangladesh, inside the community, and show that there's a different... um, way of thinking about these, these practices within a contemporary art gallery.
2: This artist-led approach, Jenny, that you developed at White Chapel, it included very clearly two strands, the the work within the gallery and working with artists within the gallery space, uh, which you've talked about, Uh, but it included also the Artists in East London School Scheme, Mm -hmm. which is a scheme of residencies and uh, building ongoing collaborations with schools. Can you tell us a bit more what was distinctive about this approach to working with art and artists?
3: Um... Perhaps start off a little bit about how um, the Artists in school scheme came about, because that started to happen just while I was developing the programme for Eva Hesse and talking with the gallery about um, the possibilities for the education programme and I was trying to form a vision for how that might go forward. And the Arts Council of Great Britain, as it was then, um we're also very interested in how, um, in the idea of artists in schools and together with the Ar- Alistair Warman at the Arts Council, um, he and Martin Rucastle um, organised a conference of, about artists in schools that looked at examples from not just Britain, but I think America and Canada and um, I was able to um, encourage some of the teachers that I'd been talking to about as Eva to come to that conference. And um, that was really the start then of an interest, well, you know, there are all these artists in East London, um, all these artists in the area, you know, maybe this is the ideal place to be... Um, Developing an artists in schools programme and that the gallery was very well placed to be the conduit that brought the two, the artists and the schools, together. It was very much running in tandem with the activities in the gallery and the opportunity for teachers to meet local artists, not just by working with them in the gallery around the exhibitions, but by... As being able to take them to their studios so um, that were not far away from their schools very often or those contacts. So the the teachers and then eventually children, pupils were able to go to visit the artists. It wasn't just the artists being in the schools but them being able to see the artists in a fuller picture, you know, of how they thought, how they worked, where art came from. And I suppose that... You know, we talk quite a bit about the distinctiveness of the programme that really, um, and the innovativeness, that approach that was really developed through the relationship with the artists and what they brought to the programme and thinking about what was different about the way those artists work, not only in the schools, but in the gallery was that when we invited an artist to work with a particular exhibition, say it was Bruce Nauman, Cy Twombly, Richard Deacon, um, David Smith, they were artists whose own work had an affinity with that artist and that they had a particular passion and knowledge. And I think all the artists now still remember that for them the fact that when we got together to plan the the activities in the galleries we didn't start from the premise of what should we do with a group of seven year olds we started by really looking at the work by under, trying to understand the artist how did we feel about it how did we look at it how did uh, what were the artist's intentions what were the underlying concepts not just about you know the history of that work or the broader context, but what what were the intentions of the artists with this, and how do you, through questioning, through very um, targeted activities that guided looking and guided um, discussion that came from the children or student or adults own experience, the a kind of um, workshop could be developed as it were through those discussions and you know for a lot of the children that came English wasn't a first language and we also worked a lot with children who had um, special educational needs, some had no language some had no sight or hearing um, and in a way this very physical and immediate approach and direct approach to looking at the thing that was there in front of you and experiencing it in what way each individual person could, meant that there wasn't a distinction between those who had the intellectual knowledge of art and those who didn't.
0: Here, Joe Stockham describes the success of the artist-led methodology introduced by Jenny Lomax and the supportive community that it fostered. As well as describing what was special about the approach to working with children. The planning days we had, as far as I remember, were
6: a real joy. Um, Be with other artists and we would, you know, walking through the show, talking about how we responded to the work, what what were the things we all uh, and differently perhaps responded to. So you might, for instance, each choose a piece of work that you particularly um, were interested in and, and that gave the workshop a structure that was based not just on your own opinions but on the, whoever you were working with. Obviously we all had our own artistic practices so we might bring suggestions of ways of making or materials to use that we were um, kind of comfortable with or just wanted to test out and we would spend the day doing the actual things we were going to get other people to do so we would, you know, we would make a booklet or we would make sculptures out of um, wire and silver paper as we did for um, our Martin Disler's work. There was no preconceptions about what the end result had to be. It was very process-based, I suppose, in the sense that it wasn't about making something for the children to take home, you know, in a way. I'd, I was also working in a play centre, for instance, at the same time. And I was doing kind of a photography workshop and a pottery sometimes and cooking and things like that. And there was always a pressure from the children to have something nice to take home to their parents. And this wasn't about that. It was about finding ways to get the students to think what it might be to make something as an artist and um, give them ways of asking questions through making that might... Uh, help to engage with an artist's work
2: Jenny, can you maybe describe some of the projects that you just mentioned, but projects that have different features because of the nature of the place where they happened? You referred to hospitals, to health centres. Uh, I recall Maria Sheska's project in an incredible Victorian uh, building with a swimming pool mm. um, or the Bruce McLean's performance with Charlie Hooker and Hammerhurst. Could you describe some of those projects that really set in motion a uh, very particular kind of relationships and even transdisciplinary connections in terms yes. of the working process?
3: I mean, I think two things that you mentioned, um, Maria Czebska working with Hackney Down School, where the teacher, Richard Crawford, who was an artist himself, an art teacher it was a secondary school and she really was able to work with Richard and the gallery, um, setting up a studio in the middle of the school, which was this big old Victorian building, and, and there was the nearby Victorian swimming pool that the pupil, the children, young people at the school used. And it was a very important factor to their lives, and Maria latched onto this but also it fitted very much with her work the light on the water and the ripples and so she was able to um, work with students and the teachers to think about ways of using their environment as a subject matter for for work. And that also fed into her own work as a painter and shape. and they um the school extended the project and found money to commission Maria to do, a painting within the swimming pool. And she worked on that with the students as an extension of the project. And that was something that wasn't necessarily happened with every artist in schools project, but it was something that arose from that particular situation and the students' and the artists' relationship to that space and what it affected it had on their work and on
0: their learning. Photographer Zarina Bimji speaks here about her experience as artist-in-residence at Culloden School in 1989 and what the approaches and politics of forging meaningful relationships with students there meant for her as an artist.
7: When I did my residency uh, at Culloden School, I tried to work in that way as well. So I worked with a group of mainly girls, I think. It was a long time ago, 1989. I asked them, uh, I took some of my own objects and told them that these were my favorite objects and why I liked them a lot. And then, could they go and think about what special objects they had? And then, some of them invited me to their house to look at these objects and I photographed it. And then, we took them in a projector and we viewed them as a group, and we talked about what it meant to them. So I was, it was important to me that we, as a group, felt connected and that there was trust so that we could talk about difficult things if we wanted to, um, and see how we could make that into a gesture I needed them to understand that, what an artist does. Um, um, And so, and I wanted them to act that out, be an artist, you know. Um, But they hadn't imagined that that could be their thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that they could be an artist. What creativity is, what was happening in Britain to um, Bengalis, where they were, were they? What was it like in the council estate? Did they experience racism? Did they feel safe? Uh, what did they feel, um, and what could they do? So, it was also um, making them feel confident about themselves and their place in the world. Because I think being an artist is interconnected. You need to probably feel that you can take that space, you know.
1: We're approaching the end of our wonderful conversation. So Jenny, here's a final question. What impact did this programme have, both for arts organisations, but also for schools and their approach to art education?
3: It was a year later when I was able to take on the whole of the education program and I have it that we were able to integrate more fully with the whole of the gallery and the team. So we planned things really closely with Nick Road to the director and the exhibition's organizer and the administrator and were able to discuss things like the scheduling of exhibitions, which exhibition was good in times when children could come or colleges could come, what was good in the summer. Um, and also the the Nick and the curators and also the artists, people like um, Bruce Naumann, really engaged themselves in the programme. They talked to the teachers. At the We had a little teacher preview the day before the... Public preview, and often the artists were around. They were sometimes still installing the exhibitions. Uh, I remember Julian Schnabel involving teachers in the heights of where his paintings once, and uh, you know, the sort of um, experience that I think was very unusual in a gallery, you know, the thing that education was on the margins and kept separately. But by all working together and I think for everyone really embracing this new community of local artists that have become part of gallery life and listening to their conversations and their ideas, it really shaped, began to shape the programme and the rhythm of the programme and the things that we could put in between the exhibitions, like performance, uh, bring in the work from the schools, and those artists really... I began to work in the spaces between the exhibitions to bring those artists in fully into the programme. And I think the Whitechapel programme showed the way that if the organisation embraced what this could mean and lost its preconceptions about gallery education, that All sorts of things could happen, you know, that could feed into the programme that that made the life of the gallery richer and the life of the community richer.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Here Now. You can find all of our other episodes online at www.whitechapelgallery.org. Don't forget to visit the exhibition Exercising Freedom, Encounters with Art, Artists and Communities on display from the 7th of October 2020 until the 21st of March 2021. Goodbye for now.